Welcome to Your Torah, a 36-week journey into the world of the 63 books of the Mishnah, 18 minutes at a time. A project of Jofa UK, designed as a special invitation to engage in Torah and make it yours. This episode of Your Torah is dedicated to Ben Supper, our volunteer sound engineer, in gratitude for the many hours he spends on the production of the Your Torah podcast. Hi, my name is Sharona Margolin Halikman, and I'm speaking to you from Jerusalem, Israel. I began to learn Mishnah when I was in fifth grade, when I lived in New York, and the first Mishnah that I actually studied was from Masachat Yoma, the Tractate of Yoma. The word Yoma in Aramaic means the day, and refers to Yom Kippur, which is the day of atonement. Yom Kippur that we celebrate today is unique, but at the time of the Beit HaMikdash, when the temple stood, it was a totally, totally different situation, because the focal point was on the lengthy and involved ritual performed by the Kohen Gadol, the high priest. It was the only time that he was permitted into the Holy of Holies, and he performed virtually the entire service. And only on Yom Kippur were they able to obtain atonement from their sins. Today, we recite the Order of the Avodah in the Yom Kippur Musaf service, in the additional service that we pray silently, as prayers have replaced the sacrifices that were brought in the days of the Temple. The Yom Kippur Avodah service takes up almost the entire tractate. Actually, the first seven chapters of Yoma are about this temple service that the Kohen Gadol performed, and only the last chapter, chapter 8, deals with the laws of fasting, labor, and repentance, the Yom Kippur as we know it today. Yom Kippur is part of the Seder of Moed, which deals with the holidays. So the question is, is Yom Kippur really a holiday? As we have prohibitions such as not eating, not drinking which are biblical prohibitions, then we also have other restrictions, not washing, not anointing, not wearing leather shoes, not having marital relations, right? All of these seem like mourning rituals as we would have on the ninth of Av, on Tisha B'Av, the day that we remember the destruction of the temple. Are these things that we would do on a, um, a happy day? So the question is, what would make this a holiday? And it is actually a holiday because it's a day that we beg for God's mercy and we hope that we will be answered favorably. We are raising ourselves to the level of the angels who did not have physical needs. So by refraining from all of these different things, we're actually putting ourselves on the level of the angels. So it's not a sad day, but rather it's a happy day as we're hoping that we will be forgiven for anything that we've done wrong. The Talmud in Ta'anit, which deals with the laws of fasting for the, for the other fast days, calls Yom Kippur a festival as it is a day of forgiveness and shows God's love for his beings. It's also a festival because that was the day that the second set of tablets were given after the Jews sinned by praying to the golden calf. And Moshe broke the first set of the tablets, the first set of Ten Commandments, and then he prayed on behalf of the Jewish people, and finally God forgave them, and then it was on that day, on the tenth day of the Hebrew month of Tishrei, that God forgave the Jewish people and gave them a new set of Ten Commandments, and that is the day that we commemorate Yom Kippur today. So it's actually a happy day. It's a day that, that shows the love between God and the Jewish people. We could look at it as the marriage between God and the Jewish people. And the rabbis add in that it's also the day that we received 
the oral Torah. There's the written Torah, the five books of the Torah and the, uh, the Tanakh, the 24 books of the Bible. And then there's the oral Torah that had not yet been written down, but at that moment on Yom Kippur it was decided that we would also receive the oral Torah. And the Mishnah is actually part of the oral Torah. So right now we're actually studying part of the oral Torah, which was given on Yom Kippur. It's also a day of spiritual cleansing and taking spiritual inventory of our lives. So it's, it's really a happy day. As, as long as we, we feel that we, we had a good year and that we repented and we want to start the year on a clean slate, it's actually a good day. It's a happy day. The last chapter of Yoma, which is chapter 8, uh, speaks about the restrictions of Yom Kippur as well as who can eat and under which circumstances. For example, a child, a pregnant woman, a sick person, right? All of those people uh, may have exceptions where they may be able to eat if their life is in danger. And the final Mishnah, which is chapter 8, Mishnah 9, speaks about how repentance works. So we're going to look at that Mishnah now in depth and really have an idea of what it's like to study that Mishnah. So this is Yoma, chapter 8, Mishnah 9. Ha'omer. If a person says, I will sin and then I'll repent. Again, I will sin and I will repent. We do not give him the opportunity to repent. I'll sin and then Yom Kippur will absolve me. And Yom HaKippurim Michaper. Then Yom Kippur will not affect atonement. Averot Sheben Adam Lachavero. Sins that are between a person and their fellow person. And Yom HaKippurim Michaper. Yom Kippur will not absolve those sins. An Sheyurtzeh Et Chavero. He actually would have to ask forgiveness of the friend. They can't go straight to God and expect God to absolve those sins. That's what Rabbi Eliezer, the son of Azariah, taught. It says in the book of Vayikra, From all of your sins you shall be clean before God. Sins that are between a person and God. Yom Kippur will absolve. Rabbi Akiva said, Ashrechem Yisrael. Blessed are you, Israel. Who are you cleaning yourselves before? And who cleanses you? Your parent in heaven. As it says in Yechezkel, in the book of Ezekiel, I poured on you pure water, and you became pure. And it says in Yirmiyahu, in the book of Jeremiah, Mikveh Yisrael Hashem. Oh, you hope of Israel, the Lord. Ma mikveh metaharet hatmeim. Just as the mikveh, right, the body of water that purifies a person, purifies the ones that are impure. Af hakadosh baruchu metaharet Yisrael. So too does God purify the Jewish people. Okay, so we, we learn a few things from this Mishnah. First of all, we can't just come in to the high holidays and think that, okay, you know, God is going to forgive me as long as I go to the synagogue on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. No, it's not like that. First, we have to see what we've done wrong throughout the year. We have to see who we've hurt, 
and then we have to approach them. And the only way to get forgiveness from God is by first going to our fellow people. If my dog ripped up my neighbor's lawn, I can't just go to the synagogue on Yom Kippur and tell God that I'm sorry that it happened. I have to go to my neighbor and deal with them and tell them that I'm sorry and pay for it to be fixed and do whatever needs to be done. But God will not forgive the transgressions that are between a person and their fellow person. If it's between a person and God, then that's between the person and God, and they will have to pray to God for forgiveness. But... They can't just think that every time they transgress that they can just run and repent or that they can wait until Yom Kippur and repent for the whole year. If you know that you're transgressing and you're doing it on purpose, but you figure that later on you'll be absolved, then it doesn't count and then you will not be forgiven. If somebody didn't know a law and they transgressed, they didn't know that a restaurant wasn't kosher, it was kosher style, it was Jewish, but it wasn't kosher, and they ate there and they didn't realize it's not their fault, they were misled, then they can do tshuva, they can repent, and they'll be forgiven. But if they go back to that same restaurant, once they know that it's not kosher, and they keep doing it over and over again, there's going to be a point where where they're not going to be forgiven. So it's important that when we make a mistake the first time, that's fine. Everybody makes mistakes and everybody transgresses, but we have to be aware of the transgression and repent and not continue to repeat the same transgression over and over again, because then it's making a joke out of Judaism, and that's not how Yom Kippur works. But if somebody really was serious, transgressed, and was sorry, and they repented, and tried to take it upon themselves to not do it again, then they will be, they will be forgiven. A nice idea here as well is this idea of the mikvah, right? The mikvah is the ritual bath. Women today are still following this mitzvah, which goes all the way back to biblical times. And once a month after a woman's cycle is finished and after she counts a seven-day period, she goes to the mikvah and then she's once again permitted to her husband. The mikvah is is a ritual bath that's made uh, from pure rainwater. In the times of the temple, anytime somebody would go to the Beit HaMikdash, the holy temple in Jerusalem, they would have to immerse in a mikvah. Today, it's mostly looked at as women that are married or men and women that choose to go before Yom Kippur or before their wedding, but originally it was something that was done all the time. Anytime somebody needed to be purified in order to bring a sacrifice, in order to visit the temple, and there are many mikvahot right in the old city of Jerusalem, right outside of the walls of the old city. There were many, many ritual baths that were there that um, that were used. And people came into Jerusalem, they used the ritual bath, and then they went into the temple. Even today, when people that are Orthodox want to visit the Temple Mount, because there may still be a chance that there is holiness at that site, they will also immerse in a mikvah, in a ritual bath, Uh, before they go up. So there's this idea that when we do tshuva, when we repent, it's as if we're immersing in a ritual pool, in a ritual bath, and that once we come out, we are like a new person. And a, uh, a person that converts also immerses in a mikvah, and at that moment, it's as if they're reborn, right? A person that converts also changes their name, and they become a new person. So what we can learn from here, really, to take away is that um, Yom Kippur is a chance for new beginnings. It's a chance to start the new year on the right foot. And anything that we did before 
is erased as long as we go through the proper channels. But we have to work it out with our friends and we have to work it out with God. But if we follow the steps that are outlined in this Mishnah, we can start the year with a clean slate, which means that it's never too late to return to God. The concept of a Baal Tshuva, a person that returns to Judaism, is really not just somebody that decided to become observant later in life, but it's really all of us. Each and every one of us on a daily basis is a Baal Tshuva. We have to analyze what we did right, what we did wrong, and pray in the Amidah, in the Shemona Esrei prayer, we actually beat our chest and we say, Slach Lanu, forgive me, or forgive us, because we're just not only praying for ourselves, but for the entire nation. Forgive us. Every day we beat our chest and we say, forgive us, three times a day, in order that we're all set up, so that it's not that on the high holidays, all of a sudden we have to do tshuva for the whole year, to repent for the whole year, but rather it's a process where every day we're repenting, every day we're trying to make ourselves better people, and in that way, when we come to Yom Kippur, we really have this feeling of cleanliness and starting the the year with a new slate. We wear white clothing, which is similar to what the bride and groom wear on the day of their wedding, that we're starting off clean and fresh. And they say that on the day that a bride and groom are married, they should say part of the prayers for the mincha service before Yom Kippur and the vidui, where they where they express their uh, regret of anything that they did wrong. And really the bride and groom have their own personal Yom Kippur on that day, there is a belief that all of their prayers are answered, and that's why if you ever see a bride and groom at the Kotel at the Western Wall, you'll see people running over to them, asking them to pray on their behalf, because it's a special, auspicious day for them as well. So it's a, it's a mini type of Yom Kippur. We all have that opportunity to start new and to start fresh, and may we all be blessed with a good year, and may we be able to celebrate Yom Kippur as a holiday, as a happy day, knowing that we were forgiven for any of our transgressions. This episode of Your Torah is brought to you by Jofa UK, in collaboration with women from around the world who all share a passion for Torah study. If you are enjoying Your Torah, consider sponsoring an episode. Find out more by visiting ukjofa.org. Join the conversation on social media using the hashtag YourTorah.